the uh, uh, certain book that I've been reading. It's about the Lamb of God. And uh, I want to just mention from Revelation. I'm going to go through Revelation, but I want to say, right at the very beginning, my methodology is not quite the same as our senior pastor is. And he does things really in depth. Uh, I do in depth at times when I'm doing Bible studies, etc. But on the usual occasion, I am not doing a an in-depth study of Revelation in one go. I'm just looking at a number of passages there, but I'm focusing on the one that we all need to focus on, and that is the Lamb of God. Let me pray. The gracious God and eternal Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you that we have access into your very presence through the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. We thank you, our Father God, that it is through him and by the Holy Spirit who indwells us that we are able to come into your presence and able to communicate with others about you. And I pray this morning, Father, that you'll hide me behind Calvary love, that the Lord Jesus Christ alone will be seen and lifted up and that you will be glorified and exalted. And Father, I pray if there be any here today who know you not, that today they will come to know the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. I want us to to firstly uh, look at that uh, favorite passage of mine, which is John Uh, chapter 1, John's Gospel, chapter 1. And I'm reading just uh, a few verses from verse 25, or rather 35. And um, usually I I like to read the first first verses. But uh, this morning I'm going to read from verse uh, 30, 35. And the next day, again, sorry, I'll read from verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, But for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he was sent. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God the next day John 
was standing with two of his, his disciples. This is John the Baptist we're talking about. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed him. They followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said, come and see, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day, for it was the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, so you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. May God bless that word to us and give us understanding, especially as we move to look at Revelation and the Lamb of God. It was in Prague, 19, 1989, the 27th of November. It was a, a great day in Czechoslovakia, on that occasion. For the past week previously there had been many people gathering and demonstrating against the communist regime. A regime which they had been under for something like 45 years. There was no church, there were churches there but they weren't able to promote their faith. They met in secret or in church buildings which were not called church buildings and had no name to describe them as church buildings. And on the 27th of November, 1989, the bells rang for the first time and the people gathered in celebration right throughout across the country because communism was no longer the power, had no longer the power of government in the land. And the next day, outside this little Methodist church, which was a Methodist church, but no one knew it to be the Methodist church, there was a simple line. And the simple line was, the Lamb wins. That's all it said. The lamb wins. And to my mind, imagining myself to be under the communism rule and yet having Christ in my heart to walk past that sign and to see it there, it would just bring tears to my eyes and joy 
And I would celebrate. And they were celebrating. The bells were ringing for the first time. I remember the bells ringing in England when the war was, came to an end. They rang when the Germans were defeated and they rang again when Japan was defeated. And what joy thrilled our hearts. For how it must have thrilled the hearts of those people. The end of communism, the end of a, a, an atheistic government. The lamb still wins. The ram still wins. Today, we're living in troubled times. There is terrorism, persecution, breakdown of law and order, financial crisis, family crises. gender crisis in the last days we are in the last days and those of us who love the Lord are looking forward to his coming and uh, the younger ones perhaps are not (laughs) like my daughter many years ago said to me I don't want to come here I want to get married Unfortunately, she's still waiting to get married. (laughs) Patience. Behold, the lamb still wins. And when we look at John and what he said on this occasion, in verse 29, when he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And two of his close disciples, one of them, Andrew, turned from him. Oh, I love that picture. They turned from the one that they had been following. They had been there at the baptisms of all the people, probably. They were his disciples. They helped to feed him. They walked with him. They talked with him. They shared with him. They were good mates, good friends. Subordinate, perhaps, to to John the Baptist. And they turned without questioning and walked away to Jesus. And they followed Jesus, perhaps for a time close behind until Jesus, the Christ, turned and said, what do you want? And they said, where do you live? And he said, come and see. And isn't that what the Lord Jesus continues to do? The Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, sometimes follows us close to. I think perhaps... To DJ here, Andrew, <laughs> um, close to. Where do you, where do you stay? Is there a God? Is there a, one who can save me from my situation? And there are those here today. Not only my brother down here, and I call him a brother. 
because in Christ we are brothers and sisters. And it was on this occasion that these two men, as they travelled, they being Jews would know exactly what uh, where John the Baptist was coming from. They would know full well that back in the teachings that they had been having for many years, that they knew about Abraham and Isaac. They knew about the time when Abraham took Isaac and they went to, to, to that mount to offer a sacrifice. And it was Isaac who said, hey, we've got the wood and we've got the fire, but where is the lamb? And what happened? Abraham said, God will provide the lamb. Can you imagine the father loving his only son, Isaac, tying him up and placing him upon the altar? Knife raised to take the life of his son. The horror of it, I mean, I cannot imagine it. And yet, there was the lamb. It was a ram. (laughs) It wasn't a lamb. But it was a sacrifice to be made. And they would know of Exodus, and they would remember Moses, their great leader, telling them what they had to do on that great day of the Passover. To take a lamb and to take the blood from the lamb and place it on the, the doorpost and the lintel of the door. And they knew that on that day, on that night rather, when the angel of the Lord passed by, he would pass over those who had on their door the blood. And when I see the blood, says Scripture, I will pass over. And they would know the, the significance of the Lamb that was yet to come, the Messiah, as Scripture spoke about him throughout. Isaiah said, like a lamb, uh, like as a lamb led to the slaughter. This is the Christ we're talking about. John, of course, reminds them of those things in the in Acts. Again, 8.32, I think it is, where again the, the statement is made, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. Who was it? It was the, the Ethiopian who was reading that from the word. Philip comes alongside and says, what are you reading? And he explained what he was reading. And Philip then told the eunuch what it all meant. He was reading from something which was written 600, 650 years before Christ. But he was talking about the Christ who had just died and rose again and ascended unto heaven. So they knew about it. But then when we turn to Revelation, and that's what I want to do now, if you will turn with me to Revelation. 
I want us to see, and last night as I thought about this, I thought, well, there's so much to say in Revelation about the Lamb. It's all about the Lamb, really. It's all about the victory of the Lamb. The Lamb's final work and ministry, if you like. But it's a revelation to John, the one who wrote the gospel and the epistles writes here. But this time, in more deliberate way, he is given a, a, a vision. He is, he is taken, as it were, aside and he has a special, a special revelation. And we see here, first of all, I want us to look at the Lamb of God and the Lamb's book. Will you turn to page two, Revelation 3? Revelation 3 and the talking here. The angel of the church is speaking to the church of Sardis. And he says in verse 5, Verse 4, yet you still have a few names. Excuse me, I'm having trouble with my throat. Yet you have still a few names inside this people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And then again, if you look at chapter 21, Chapter 21 and verse uh, 23. And I saw no temple. <clears throat> and I saw no temple in the city, for it was a time, a temple. Its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon or sh- to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the lamp. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut at day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into the, into the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb's book. The Lamb's book. There is a record kept, and only the names of those whose names are recorded in the Lamb's book 
because it's the book that records the names of those who have responded to the claims of Christ. Years ago, and I think I may have used this illustration in times past, but years ago when we were in Papua New Guinea in 1974, just before we left, we had a visit from the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh. And they came in their, in their yacht and they parked their yacht out in the, in the harbour there and, uh, and we were invited to go on board, Yvonne and I, along with a few others. And we went on board, really not to meet the Queen, she was asleep actually, when we went on board, so we were told. But we went and um, we were to go on board for a special presentation that was to be made and which we were involved in. But we waited, we got all dressed up in our fine clothes and we got down to the, to the wharf, to the jetty. And there at the jetty there was a beautiful barge. You would think it would be in, it was so highly polished and there were sailors, Royal Navy sailors, all dressed up to the, you know, they were, they were like guardsmen of the, of the Royal Navy or the guards regiment in the Royal Navy. And there they were all waiting with their white gloves and, uh, and there was a lieutenant who had a, just an ordinary folder and um, as we got in close to him he said, and your names? We told him and he ticked us off and we sat down and others came, I think there were about a dozen all up and each one was ticked off and then time went by, five minutes, ten minutes and there we were sitting in the hot sun waiting to go on board the little boat that took us out to the and I was about to ask this lieutenant who are we waiting for? We're all here I think and then suddenly we saw coming down the hill this vehicle it was driving rather fast came through the gates, they led them through and they came rushing up to the, where we were and out jumped the guy who was responsible for the, the uh, whole uh, program for the Queen's visits. He was the one in charge of, the, of all that she did, where she went, etc., etc. All the arrangements were made through him. He was the chief cook and bottle washer. He was the man who called the shots. We knew him. And he hopped out, said hi, and, and uh, the lieutenant went over to him and said, in your name, and he said, ticked him off. But out of the car got a guy, and he was uh, all done up too, but he was festened with, uh, with cameras and things, and, uh, and he got out, and and, and the lieutenant went over to him and said, and, uh, um, what's your name? He did it very politely, with a big smile on his face. What's your name? And uh, the guy told him his name, and he went over, and he turned over a page, and he said, I'm, I'm sorry, your name is not there. And uh, at that, the, the chief cook and bottle washer turned around and said, oh, it's all right, he's with me. I'm sorry, sir, his name is not there. 
And the last we saw that guy, he looks terribly sad, sitting on the one of those round things that they tie the ropes around. And we went out in this beautiful boat out for the presentation. And that reminded me, that reminded me that it was nice to be on the roll down here. It was nice to be going out to the boat and to meet with the Duke. But I tell you what, greater is it to have your name on the Lamb's Book or in the Lamb's Book of Life. And my friends, if your name is not recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life, there's no way. You might say, I've been at church all my life. I go to this church or that church. I, I'm even a deacon. I'm even an elder in that church. I sing in the choir. I've been in Sunday school all my life and I do so many good things. I want to tell you, dear friend, if you haven't got your name in the book, recorded. Mine is. I've got the date when it was recorded on the 28th of the 10th, 1953, over 60 years ago. And it's not been blotted out, although I've made a few mistakes down here, well, quite a few mistakes. And people would like to blot me out sometimes. But he's never blotted me out. The Lamb's Book is a record of those whose names. Is your name recorded there? Is your name recorded? But it also speaks in Revelation, in chapter 19 and verse 6. It speaks about the Lamb's Bride. Chapter 19 and verse 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out. My favorite verse Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You're recorded. Your name's in the book. You can say hallelujah for the Lord God, the myths and reigneth. But may I ask the question, as I asked myself yesterday or last night, Am I ready? Am I ready? Am I ready? You ask me that on the 28th, and I'd say, yes, 28th of the 10th, back there at my birth, 
rebirth? I'd say yes. Will you say, would you ask me 10 years later? And I'd say, yes, I think so. 60 years down the track, I will say, yes. Have I been on my knees in repentance? Do I know something about what we just sang, about revival of what was just read and what we see on a bulletin? Yes, many times have we come to that place of confession. Even within the family when there is tension and there's something wrong there and, uh, and the wife has to get right with the Lord, I always find it's me who has to get right with the Lord. When I'm waiting for her to say, I'm sorry, do I say I'm sorry? No, I'm stubborn. And I have to say I'm sorry. Am I ready? Well, I'm still ready. The Lord has not taken her away, but I need in my heart and mind and life to have such a relationship with others that there will be no blemish. I want to encourage each and every one of us who love the Lord that the Lord stands in glory and he stands there and he speaks on our behalf. And he doesn't look, if the Father looks, as it were, at the sin of the... He looks through the blood of the Lamb and he sees us as white as snow, washed in the blood of the Lamb. And then, not only is the question, are we recorded in the Lamb's book, or are we ready for the marriage feast that one day? But I want us to look at the Revelation 21 again. Revelation 21 and verse 20, verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of the sun or moon to shine, for the glory of God gives its light. Its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day. And there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Then the angels, chapter 22, then the angels showed me of the river of water of light, bright and crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side, also on either side of the river. 
And it goes on in verse 3. No longer will there be anything accursed. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever. And I want us to think not only of the Lamb's book and the Lamb's bride, but also of the Lamb's brilliance, the brightness, the glory that shone around him. That even the Lord Jesus, as he was on earth, was able to say that he reflected that glory, that he shared in that glory in the past. You read in John chapter 17 in that beautiful prayer to the Father. Can I ask you, are you a reflection of the light on earth? Are you a reflection of the light on earth? We can be. We can be. We can reflect his light because we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And if we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, we should be an influence for God. And when people see us, they will see, maybe not always the smile, but a readiness to listen, a readiness to help, a readiness to share. Only he can help us to do that. And finally, in conclusion, I don't have a watch. I'm glad the the clock is there. I don't have a watch. I haven't had one for about four or five weeks now. I get all going like this and it's not there. But here he says, look at this in that final verses. The Spirit, oh, he says in verse uh, 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Wonderful. Speaks of the deity of Christ. And uh, some people say, well, no, it doesn't. But if you look at verse 18 of, uh, of Revelation chapter 1, it says, when he speaks of himself as being the first and the last, he says, He says, I'm the one who was dead and is alive again. So it's the same one who is here saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who Isaiah said four or five times. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life. Outside the dogs and sorcerers and the sexual immoral and murderers and adulterers and everyone who loves and practices evil. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches, to, for the churches. I am the root and the descendants of David and the bright morning star. And listen to this. The Spirit said and the bride say, come and let those who hear and let those who hear say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come, 
And let the one who desires to take of the water of life without price. From the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and from the church, us, the assembly of believers, the invitation goes out. The invitation, and it's a final invitation at the end of the book, if you like. There are no more invitations after this. The invitation that the church gives to the community, the invitation that the individual within the body gives out. It's an invitation that is to be given to all who hear and who theist. And I want to ask you, if your name is not in the Lamb's book, will you understand and consider carefully if your name is not on the book, this invitation in these last verses to you and to each and every one of us It's the church speaking, it's the spirit speaking on behalf of the one who is and who was and who is to come. And he's saying, if you're thirsting, if you're thirsting for forgiveness, if you're thirsting for cleansing, if you want to get away from that which is holding you down and holding you back, if your heart is crying out for forgiveness and cleansing, then you can taste of the water of life by receiving Christ as Lord and Saviour. We know that here in the church, but out there, there are those who don't. There may be some here who don't either. You've been in church all your lives, but you've never said, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Forgive me, cleanse me. Come into my life and be my saviour and be my Lord and turn from our wickedness because the invitation is to all those who hear and who thirst after righteousness and they are the ones who ultimately and who are listed in the book. And it concludes... He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And the grace of the Lord Jesus be with us all. Or may I just... I want to read this. Just two verses. Two verses of... A hymn which, when I read this just last night, I felt, oh boy, this is what I would like to be my testimony to. The last two verses of that wonderful hymn, Jesus, the name high over all. The last two verses, read sometime, read it all yourselves. His only righteousness I show, his saving grace proclaim. Tis all my business here below to cry.
Behold the Lamb. Happy, happy, if with my latest breath I might but gasp his name, preach him to all, and cry in death, Behold, behold the Lamb.